seconds left. Hardy with six. Hardy on Brown. Hardy with three. With two. Hardy reverse slam is gone. 1.2 left. St. John's 12 with 14 from the field in this second half. Hans again. Also in the ball game. Champagne, you're kidding me! Another three for Julian Champagne. You are now listening to the Eye of the Storm podcast. What's going on, Chatty Nation? Welcome to episode 18 of the Eye on the Storm podcast. My name is David Barov, and last night, for the first time in many, many months, we got to be inside Karnaseka Arena watching a game that mattered and counted towards the standings. St. John's took on Merrimack. St. John's beat Merrimack 97-72 in the opening game of the 2022-2023 season. Now, we need to be smart in how we take things away from this game. First game, so let's break it down into a few segments here. I want to start just from the starters because that's something that I know that we've been keeping track of. Who is going to be out there first? Who is Mike Anderson going to rely on to be the guys that set the tone? That during the media day, he really said that it didn't matter who started, really who's going to be in there at crunch time when the game matters most. This wasn't really one of those games where you can take any kind of information like that from. But what we can take away is that Posh, Andre Curbelo, David Jones, Montez Mathis and Joel Soriano were the first starting five out there. And boy, did this starting five really produce. And they were the ones who picked up all the slack really throughout the game. 76 of the 97 points came from those five starters. Posh, 14 points, three rebounds, five of six, six steals, and one monster block that he volleyballed off the back of the rim, which was something crazy. Andre Curbelo, 13 points, seven assists, two steals, hit a three, and was five of seven from the floor. David Jones, an easy 21 points. He was five of 12 from deep, 10 rebounds, four assists, a block, and a steal. Joel Soriano, 12 points, 11 rebounds, and Montez Mathis, 16 points, 3 of 4 from deep, and a perfect 3 of 3 from the line. I'll go into each one of these guys a little bit, but I can't talk about this game. Nobody can talk about this game without saying two things. Yes, they won the game 97-72. That's great. That matters most. But my goodness, the secondary storyline from this game, and probably even the first storyline that you have to mention from this game, was 20 nine turnovers i don't think i've ever seen a game that st john's has played where they turned the ball over 29 times i didn't realize how many times they turned the ball over sitting there last night watching the game i knew it was a lot i didn't think it was 29 so when i got this number i was like holy cow so let's start with a few things here believe it or not st john's actually didn't turn the ball over the most on November 7, 2022, with college basketball back in action, there was 199 games on the college basketball schedule yesterday. Most of them featured D1 schools. There was a few D2s sprinkled in there, so you could times that by two, you get that many amount of teams. IUPUI also turned the ball over 29 times, and New Orleans turned the ball over 30 times. The difference both of those teams lost and St. John's 
got a victory. Now, 29 turnovers is insane. It's completely unacceptable. It's unfathomable, especially for a team like St. John's, who last year was only averaging 11.9 turnovers per game. And even then, that was pretty bad, and they were 110th in the country. To put it in perspective, the worst team in the country at turning the ball over last year was Delaware State at 18.2 per game. St. John's almost doubled that in yesterday's game. After the game, Coach Anderson did tell the media that we got a lead and we got sloppy with the basketball. We got quick and we got in a hurry. And then he added, it will be addressed. So how does something like this happen? St. John's played fast yesterday. St. John's always plays fast. But yesterday, they played faster than they played the year before. There is such a thing as playing too fast, especially playing this fast this early on. And clearly, we saw the speed of the game lead to those turnovers. Now, I also think a lot of that had to do with the first game atmosphere, wanting to go out there on your home court, wanting to show off a little bit, wanting to showboat a little bit. Andre Curbelo's in his first game and his five turnovers a lot of them were pretty silly, some really flashy passes, some really, you know, no-look decisions, a couple of, you know, wrap-around passes that didn't hit the mark or led to a turnover was really unnecessary, and I'm hoping that the coaching staff, while at this, I know that they want him to play free and play his style, those kinds of turnovers lead to games getting lost later in the year when you're playing higher quality opponents more so than Merrimack. So why was all this happening? So why was this happening? Merrimack likely read the scouting reports, thought that St. John's can't shoot the ball, yada, 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 and went into a 2-3 zone. Merrimack always plays a 2-3 zone, so it certainly made sense in their eyes. All right, we'll let you shoot it and you try and beat us that way. St. John's did shoot it and St. John's did beat you that way. But that 2-3 zone did force some issues and those issues were minor in the first half, but major in the second half. There was a lull where St. John's hit this wall at about like the 12 minute mark till about the 15, 16 minute mark where Mary Mack went on a little run. They took advantage of some turnovers and cut the lead down to 15. I know that sounds a little silly with because a, a 15 point lead still seems like a big one, but the lead was mostly in the 24 to 28 range most of the game. And that's kind of where it finished. But the the team kind of reverted back to some mistakes and poor play that we saw last year and the year before. The offense got stagnant. They went to the small ball lineup with Omar Stanley and A.J. Storr being the biggest guys on the court for a stretch of about three to four minutes, and it really didn't work. The spacing was off, and the Merrimack Warriors were able to take advantage of it. And so while they did cut the lead to 15, shortly thereafter, Joel Soriano checks back into the game, David Jones checks back into the game, and Andre Curbelo checks back into the game to settle the offense down. The starters are back out there with five minutes left to go the lead balloons back to 87 to 58 and eventually the game ends and st john's does take the 97 to 72 win some key things to note the starters committed 18 of the 29 turnovers five by posh five by curbello four by soriano three by jones one by mathis the curbello passes like i mentioned they were flashy they were whip around passes. They were no look passes. 
Posh Alexander missed on an alley-oop pass. There was a few passes that went off people's knees or, you know, again, I chalk a lot of this up to some opening night flashes. They wanted to show out. They wanted to make a statement. None of that's acceptable. And good teams don't turn the ball over 29 times. Good coaching staffs are going to rip into players and make sure that that doesn't happen again. Because you definitely want to be closer to that 11.9 average like you were last season instead of 29, obviously. And I'm sure that will get corrected because turning the ball over 29 times a game will get you relegated to D3 school. So I don't think that that's going to happen. Coach Mike Anderson says it's going to get addressed. We'll see what happens on Saturday against Lafayette. Back to this game. The positives. The positives outweigh the negative. I don't care who you are. If you watch this game, there were things to like. 13 of 15 from the free throw line. 86.7%. A far cry from last year. I asked Coach Anderson at media day, is the free throw situation being addressed? He said yes. First game, check the box. Let's see what happens, but that's a great start. Next big storyline, who's going to hit the threes? Well, St. John's last night, 10 of 26 from three-point land, good for 38.5% from three. Fantastic. Check. They out-rebounded Merrimack by 21, winning the glass 47 to 26. Also, fantastic. I want to break down a little bit of our starting performance. Joel Soriano, I said in at the end of the Mike Craig episode, I expected a big performance from him because of his size advantage. Joel Soriano with a double-double, 12 points, 11 rebounds. I thought he actually could have been even more aggressive in combating the zone. There were too many times where he wasn't utilized in the free throw line. I was screaming my face off to try and figure out why that wasn't happening last night. It was, it was a few times that it did happen, but I feel like it didn't happen enough. He could have really destroyed that zone. He likes that little baby hook shot. He hit a few of those little jumpers. I thought it could have been utilized even more but double double in the first game for joel soriano certainly what the doctor ordered david jones 21 points it was quiet for the most part he was hitting threes five of them he looked to be scoring effortlessly at the 920 mark he catches a long cross-court pass from rafael pinzon david jones then crosses his man over something filthy euro steps to the basket for an easy layup and if this wasn't a carbon copy of what james harden does nightly in philadelphia i don't know what is so 21 points for david jones was really really impressive again 5 of 12 from deep 10 rebounds he was really great on the offensive glass as well i thought he was passing the ball four assists he got a block a steal i mean a stat stuffing performance from the depaul transfer and andre curbelo this is something this team needed andre curbelo his ability to pass especially on the drive and kicks where so often he was driving and then whipped the ball out to somebody like david jones or montez mathis on their eight threes i believe almost every single one was akin to a drive and a kick that got them open for a great look Curbelo's vision is otherworldly. It's elite. It's better than anybody who has played at St. John's in a long time. What he can do with the ball and how he gets guys the ball in space for open looks is tremendous. Now, that vision kind of gets him into this mode and into the hubris where 
that's where the turnovers come from. Five turnovers for Curbelo. The no-look flashy passes, they were just unnecessary. There was two in the span of about six possessions at the six-minute mark in the first half where he just got too cute. But again, overall, I really loved what I saw from Andre Curbelo. He hit a three. He was hitting the jumpers from the mid-range. He was getting to the basket, and he was creating. That's what you want out of your point guard. And him and Posh played really well together on the floor. There were these moments, uh, I believe three times in the first half, where each of them kind of traded stealing the ball from Merrimack, which led to baskets for one another. It was fantastic. They clearly developed chemistry in practice. I'm sure that'll develop over time, but they played really, really well together. One thing I'll also note that Curbelo does that's a little that's a little frustrating, and I'm, I'm assuming the staff, who is a lot smarter than me, will kind of look at is Andre Carvello leaves his feet a lot. He leaves his feet far too often and kind of leaves himself in no man's land. And that led to a few turnovers also yesterday where he's just kind of forced to get rid of the ball. And again, you don't want to give up empty, silly possessions like that. It's it's funny, you know, we talk about Andre and to me, Andre is so important to this team and the skill set that he has. I've said it all off season, what he can do to get an offense moving what he forces a defense to do in order to stop him. They have to focus on him and they collapse on him. And you saw it so often yesterday that the defense would collapse on Andre and he kicks the ball out. Andre Curbelo fittingly had the first three points of the season on a steal that led to a layup uh, for an and one. At the 16-18 mark, Curbelo stole an inbounds pass and whipped it to Posh Alexander like a sidearm pitcher uh, around the basket and and Posh was right there under the under the basket for an easy layup. It was so pretty. Posh followed that up with a steal of his own for another layup. And they just started feeding off of each other. And it was pretty basketball in the first half. Let's get to the bench. The guy who stood out above everybody else on the bench, Rafael Pinzon, whose birthday is today on November 8th. So happy birthday to Rafael. 20 minutes off the bench, 9 points, 5 rebounds. He hit the first 3 of the season for St. John's and had his mid-range game open. He was rebounding the ball a little bit and, you know, was really that guy off the bench that you look to for giving other guys that breather. And when you can contribute with 9 points, 5 boards, you can be a a 3-point threat and can comfortably bring up the ball. That's what this coaching staff is certainly going to look for. So I was really happy with what we saw from Pinzon. The bench was interesting in regards to Coach Anderson and how he used it. I know that that was another storyline going into the season is how are the minutes going to get dispersed? Well, we got 21 points from 9 of 21 from the floor, 1 of 6 from 3, and 11 turnovers from the bench. Freshman AJ Store logged 10 minutes, picked up two early fouls that kind of didn't do him any favors, but he did score his first bucket as a member of the Red Storm. Omar Stanley played 14 minutes. Dylan Adaiwusu had 14 minutes as well. He had seven rebounds, uh, a few assists as well. Kobe King, eight minutes. He scored his first bucket as a Johnny. Mokita played five minutes and scored his first bucket as a Johnny. Isaiah Nawi only played three minutes. Believe he's still recovering from a lingering injury. Uh, so he was probably a little bit limited. Dresa Traore didn't play much. Only a, a few minutes there at the end of the game. Maybe one. Uh, but again, Rafael Pinzon was the guy who contributed the most off of the bench. And while Posh Alexander had a great game where he stuffed the stat sheet like only he can, Andre Curbelo was scoring and dishing passes as well. 
David Jones had 21 points with five threes. My star of the game and the person that stood out the most to me, honestly, was Montez Mathis. Montez Mathis has been catching some heat this offseason from fans saying that he couldn't be a big-time contributor to this team and that he was only going to get minutes because he was a senior. And we know how Coach Anderson has an affinity for his seniors. Well, if you look at yesterday, and again, small sample size, one game, Montez Mathis hit three threes, was three of four from deep, hit every free throw when he went to the line, and contributed 16 points. Montez Mathis was great last night and was somebody who was in the right spot, and when he got the ball, he made the most of it. And if you were watching closely, and I got to watch the game back after coming home, if you were paying attention, Montez Mathis's shot, his release, his form, looks a little different this year, and there's a reason for that. I spoke to a source after the game who told me that that was something that he worked on this offseason. He's been in the gym a lot, but he did make a conscious effort to change his shot and his release. If you remember last year, he kind of had this Marcus Camby-like release where he would take the ball really far behind his head and would lead to a very high arcing shot. Now, the arc is still there, but there's a lot more rotation on that shot, and I think it was paying dividends. I think we saw him hit a few threes in the exhibition games, but last night when it mattered most, he was hitting them too, and he looked really confident. I actually spoke to Montez this morning and asked him about that, and he told me that it was his main focus this offseason. It wasn't the conditioning or anything like that, like some of our other guys. His main focus was getting his mechanics right, he told me, and was just working on his shot every single day. He told me it feels a lot better and he has so much more confidence in his jump shot. So I really love that and I really think that we got to see that. So for those of you guys who are going to be coming to the game on Saturday against Lafayette or for those of you guys that want to pull Fox Sports app back up and rewatch the game, take a look at Montez Mathis and his release and try to see if you notice the difference from his shot last season. So again, to recap, 97-72, St. John's gets the win, 1-0. The Big East won every single game they played on Monday the 7th. So good job representing for the conference. St. John's will now take on the Lafayette Leopards on November 12th. The game is at 6 p.m. at Carnesec Arena. You can watch the game on FS2. Lafayette lost their opener to Miami 67-54. They hung in there close, so we'll see how they fare against St. John's. Keep an eye on C.J. Fulton, the guard from Lafayette. He scored 17 in that game against Miami. Kyle Jenkins, a forward, played 39 minutes, scored 10.7 rebounds. They'll take a look at him as well as St. John's will be back in action on Saturday evening. What do we want to see? First and foremost, turnovers. Can't have those turnovers happen that often, that frequent. Let's get that under control. Got to talk to the point guards. They got to settle things down. Got to be a little crisper on your passes. Can't make too many flashy mistakes when it's unwarranted. Got to tighten it up. What else do we have to look for? Better three-point defense. Got to close out on the perimeter. There was way too many times that a corner three was left wide open. It's something that St. John's has been unfortunately guilty of for years, if not decades. Mary Mack, fortunately for St. John's, only shot 20% from three-point land, 6 of 29. And that really was 
a savior because there was way too many threes that were uncontested or were left open. So St. John's knows what they got to work on and we'll see what is done over this week in practice. Let's see what happens leading up to the game and we'll see everybody at Carneseca Arena on Saturday at 6 p.m. as St. John's looks to go 2-0 against the Lafayette Leopards. As far as how we're going to be doing these game recaps, not fully sure yet. I know we'll be joined by guests here and there to do it with me, and we'll see. We might do one after every game the day after. We might do one a week recapping both games that week. We'll see. We're going to play it by ear. I do have a real job. I do have other commitments. Believe it or not, my life doesn't fully revolve around St. John's, even though it might seem like it does. But we're going to do the best we can to keep giving you great content. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Hope to see everybody come out and support the Johnnies on Saturday against Lafayette. If you're at Carnesec Arena and you see me, please come say hello. Would love to meet all of you guys. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening. We'll see you guys on Saturday. Let's get another win. You've been listening to the Eye on the Storm podcast. Go Johnnies!